0: Welcome to Baby Tour Guide's Montessori Babies Podcast. I'm your host and baby tour guide, Bianca Salorsino, and for the last decade, I've dedicated myself to helping parents, educators, and caregivers optimize baby development through a Montessori lens. This podcast is all about evolving our Montessori practice to make our time with our sweet babies easier, relaxed, and so much fun. Let's jump into it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to season two, episode one of our Montessori Babies podcast. I am so excited for this season because, as many of you know, after many, many years of working with amazing parents and caregivers, and of course, our sweet, sweet babies, I have now begun my own Montessori motherhood journey. In fact, I'm sitting here right now with a baby napping on my shoulder. (laughs) So, I am just really, really excited to share what I've learned and implemented and continue to learn and try with my sweet baby, and then, of course, continue to share all things Montessori and baby development with you. I do want to start our episode with our quote for the week, which is one of my favorites and, in my opinion, most powerful quotes from the amazing Dr. Montessori, and that quote is, The greatness of the human personality begins at the hour of birth. So education must start at birth. This quote is just perfect for this episode for so many reasons. And to start, this episode is all about what a Montessori birth is. And to talk about it, I am going to dive into that idea by discussing my Montessori birth and how it was nothing like I expected, but everything that it was supposed to be. And the piece of this quote that is about the greatness of the human personality beginning at the hour of birth, I really, really felt (laughs) because my son's personality just truly shined through throughout the entire process and I think you guys will definitely see that. So I also just want to start by saying that I did learn about birth in my Montessori training and of course there were general suggestions as far as what to do in regards to learning about, you know, approaches for health benefits for mom and baby and just stuff like that, some general ideas and suggestions but more so just educating on birth as a whole and so based on what I learned in my training leading up to my birth experience, I did have an idea of what I wanted for example I learned about something called the breast crawl in my training which is where you essentially place your baby on your tummy or near your breast right after birth and they slither right up to your breast and find the nipple and feed (laughs) it's super cool we got to watch a video on that in our training and so it was something that I was definitely interested in um, but as you will soon find out, my birth experience was far different than anything I had expected. So jumping into my birth experience, this is likely the most personal I will have been on this show. But I definitely wanted to share because you know I am a Montessorian. I have been practicing Montessori specifically with infants. Learning about, you know, the birthing process and supporting babies, you know, shortly thereafter. And so I want to share because they were definitely ideas that helped me and my husband actually through our birthing experience. I do also want to say that I feel like in my pregnancy, there were definitely things I had control over. So I did my best to eat healthy and exercise. I took my prenatal. I spoke to my baby every day. And these were things that I felt like I could control. And in general, the things that I thought I was supposed to do, I tried my best to do, (laughs) you know. And I spoke in another episode about how Montessori prepared me for pregnancy in the sense that I was able to embrace, you know, my own unique journey and what it was. And honestly, that mindset is what helped me and my husband as we brought our beautiful baby boy into this world. And I'm thankful because I did have the mentality that whatever's supposed to happen was going to happen. And that mentality really helped as we navigated that. So jumping into the birth story. (laughs) So I had a 36-week appointment and it was essentially a checkup on baby where we had a final ultrasound. It had been some weeks since I'd had one. I had gone in and they had measured my tummy and checked the heart rate and asked me about movements and all of that. And everything was, you know, growing fine, measuring fine, heart rate was good, You know, and movement was good for what I had been tracking and I'd gone to my appointments leading up to that. But this 36-week appointment changed everything. So within my pregnancy, I was grateful to have had, um, you know, a pretty pretty good pregnancy up until that point. You know, I did have some anxiety pretty bad in my first trimester, um, but it got better over time. But my my 36-week appointment shifted just about everything. So essentially, I went in for my appointment. They started with my ultrasound. And... I mean, even initially for the appointment, I had gotten there on time, and the whole day just seemed kind of a little bit eerie, so my dad drove me to the appointment because I was super, super pregnant and, you know, getting kind of squished in the car, (laughs) and my husband was working that day, and so my dad drove me to my appointment, and so I go in, and I check in, and I was waiting. And they were super behind schedule. So I did, you know, I asked the receptionist a couple times if I was still, you know, on their radar. (laughs) Um, And I eventually went back for my ultrasound. And up until that point, the ultrasound techs had been very vocal, you know, oh, everything's looking good. And oh, look at him moving around. And, you know, just stuff like that. And I had gone into that appointment and she was not vocal. Um, She was pretty quiet. And just kind of saying, Okay, you know, just stuff like that and I just knew something was wrong. Like in my heart dropped to my toes and I was just like, you know, what's going on? Is it my fluids low? Like I'm saying all this in my head, but eventually I was just kind of like, Are you able to tell me what's going on? Because is is there something wrong? Is he what's what's going on? And she was just like, Yeah. So um your doctor's gonna talk to you about it. But he's measuring a little bit small. It could be for, you know, a wide variety of reasons. Um, your doctor's going to do some testing. And then, um, she also said that my fluid was a little bit low. So I'm like, okay. And I was like, is the heart rate okay? And she said, yeah, heartbeat's fine. Um, but you know, this is something that we need to, to check out. And so they take me to the room to talk to the doctor and, um, they decided they were going to do a non stress test on me. And I did that. And I believe it was 20 minutes of just measuring if I'm having contractions and baby's heart rate based on movement. And I apparently was having contractions every five minutes, which they informed me I did not feel anything. I do have a high tolerance for pain, but genuinely, I just really didn't feel anything. Like maybe light achiness, but I think I attributed that to just being super large at that point. And yeah, so I got those results and that was that I was contracting. And then when they took my vitals at that appointment too, I had high blood pressure. So my doctor came in and said for these wide variety of reasons that my baby was measuring small, I had low fluid, I had high blood pressure, which could be a sign of preeclampsia and i was having contractions she said that it was time to get the baby out and it was now safer for him to be on the outside versus the inside and you know she was super nice and was just like there's you know it's not your fault there's a wide variety of reasons that this could have happened um it could just be the placenta you know but essentially she was like go home take a shower eat something And then go and check into the hospital because you're going to have your baby today. And I was like, okay, you know. (laughs) So at that point, uh, my appointment had taken like three times the normal amount. I had told my dad that it was going to take, you know, half hour 45 minutes they're usually pretty quick and you know I got downstairs met my dad and he was like what's wrong because he you know having that parental instinct knew something was wrong obviously combined with me having taken a lot longer than normal and so we told him and then got hold of my husband to let him know what was going on and From there, we went to the hospital. As far as how I was feeling in that moment, it was a shock. I was just kind of in needing to get things done mode. You know, I thought I had another month. And so I, you know, I still hadn't washed clothes. I hadn't, you know, set up my baby's bassinet. I, you know, there were just so many different things that I hadn't set up yet. And I just felt so unprepared, you know, (laughs) which is so funny because, you know, I talk all the time about being the prepared adult. And in that moment, it was just this feeling of, oh my goodness, there are still so many things I need to do to prepare, you know, but I'm so, so grateful that I had the support of my family and my husband's family as well. And, you know, my dad set up my bassinet and helped with laundry and while we were checking into the hospital. So, so yeah, so we checked in, we got settled in our room and at that point, they just put me back on a monitor to monitor how my baby was doing. Their plan of action at that point was to induce labor through an initial medication, which was supposed to thin out my cervix so I could start dilating. So they were doing cervical checks and they had me on that for a bit of time. But my baby didn't like that. Um, whenever I would have some sort of contraction, baby would dip. And so they decided that that was not a good plan of action, right? Because we wanted to keep him as safe as possible. And they thought maybe it was because of that specific medication. And so then they tried Pitocin, which was then just supposed to, you know, induce labor, have a bit harder contractions. And on Pitocin as well, baby didn't like that. And so, um, and, you know, this whole time I was asking the nurses, you know, the why, if we have any reasoning as to why, you know, sh- they kept changing my position, you know, maybe it was baby's on the umbilical cord or it's, you know, kind of smooshed in a certain way or maybe they're smooshed on the side or, you know, just as far as why baby was reacting that way. And at this point, after we had tried the two medicines and it had been, I think up until about midnight. Um, And we had checked in about 2 p.m. So this whole time, we were just kind of monitoring to see how baby would do. And they weren't consistently dipping. Uh, At this point, I didn't know if he was a boy or a girl. (laughs) So he wasn't consistently dipping. But there were just moments where there would be contractions and he would dip. And so over time, they tried to kind of just get a better picture Um, which is why nothing was rushed or immediate, but they did decide, you know, just kind of, he was trending in a sense that he just didn't like the contractions. It was putting too much stress on him, but my body was naturally contracting. And so they tried to just kind of let me settle overnight. So from midnight until the morning to see how my body would naturally do and how he would do with my body's natural contractions and morning comes and he didn't like those as much either. And, you know, my goal, again, I had a general idea of what I wanted in my birth. But, you know, overall, what I want is just a healthy, safe baby. And so I was just like, you know, we need to do what we need to do to keep him as healthy and safe as possible. And that's that. And so the doctor comes in in the morning um, to do her rounds. And she let me know that he wasn't doing well on my body's natural contractions either. And so the best option was to have a cesarean section, so a C section. And, you know, my husband and I were A okay with that. Just wanted him to be healthy because, you know, at this point I I just wanted my baby to be okay, you know. So yeah, so they scheduled me for a C section and a couple hours later I had a C section and he was born. Um, fun little insert there. Um, when I got into the operating room, they were playing Stairway to Heaven by Zeppelin, Led Zeppelin. <laughs> and my parents actually met and bonded over Zeppelin. And so it was kind of this cool, you know, we're coming full circle kind of situation. And then my baby was born to Hotel California, <laughs> this song by the Eagles. And so it was just a really, really cool little moment in there, a little peace moment after just a lot of hours of scares and stuff like that. And yeah, so anyway, so I had a C-section, he was born and he came out with a really fierce cry that just really warmed my heart because, you know, lungs of steel is always a always a good thing <laughs> when baby comes out. And so, so at that point, they did the typical checks just to test him for various things after birth. And, you know, they did Apgar and he scored well on that, but his blood sugar was super, super low. And so they did what they could for the first couple hours after he was born to try to keep him with me. So I did get to do skin to skin. I'm so grateful for that. And they tried with both a formula and the gel to uh, raise his blood sugar. So Essentially, he was born with hypoglycemia. And then after some hours, they continued to check it. They would check it after they, you know, administered one or the other. And it just wasn't raising enough for what it needed to be for him to sustain and be okay and not get the consistent help. And so he did get admitted into the NICU to get that consistent help. And so for the next week he was in the NICU, we're so grateful for the the great care that he had there. You know, it was scary, but also we were just so grateful to have the support of the team in the NICU. We had some really wonderful nurses. He had initially started with an IV IV drip to raise his blood sugar, and but that wasn't doing it justice. And so they had to do a central line, which was through his umbilical cord because it was still open. And that went directly to his heart. And so that, that was the hardest, I guess, most nerve-wracking piece for, for both of us was just handling him because we didn't want to touch it or move it or, you know, it was just, a really kind of tender moment. So, yeah, so we spent the week with our son just trying to get our blood sugar under control. And eventually we did. And then we came home. And so that was our birth story, kind of the short version of a really, really long process. <laughs> so, I do want to just say that I guess the pieces I had to come to terms with were just I was prepared to have any sort of birth experience. I knew that, you know, anything was possible, but I was unprepared for the timing of it. I was absolutely unprepared for the timing of it. You you know, like I had said, I literally hadn't gone through a lot of the stuff that I had. I had, Thankfully, had already set up my Montessori space, so that was set and ready for him. <laughs> but we were also in the process of moving. Like, there was just so many pieces up to this puzzle that I thought I was going to get done within the next month before he came, and he came early. So luckily, I had my little Montessori area set up, but my bassinet wasn't built, like I had said. My clothes weren't washed other than, you know, the two newborn outfits I had in my diaper bag, which my baby ended up needing preemie, so I really didn't even have that kind of stuff. So, so grateful for, you know, the family and friends that I had, you know, supporting us in that experience. And yeah, so in true surprise fashion, I felt unprepared. (laughs) I had also intended on bringing my toponchino with me to the hospital, but it wasn't washed on that day, and so I wasn't going to be able to use it until I came home. But I will say that all of these different pieces that I wasn't ready for just, In that moment, to me, really didn't matter because I just wanted my baby to be okay. And whatever they needed to do to make him okay, uh, whatever they needed from me, is what I was focusing on. And getting him out as safely as possible was our only priority at that point. So I am just so, so grateful. He's home. We have a healthy two-month-old baby who is hilarious and eats like a champ and is so strong. You know, in fact, my husband and I tried to find light in the experience while we were in the NICU by saying that he was just too hungry in there. We had actually had an ultrasound once where his foot was on the placenta, so we kind of made jokes like he's pumping it to get more food, just <laughs> kind of just making light of the situation because he was so hungry and he just kept eating and eating and his cute little Reflex, You know, he would just try to eat and eat and eat and it was so cute. Anyway, so in a way, you know, the way that this ended up being my Montessori birth experience is because we just fully embraced the idea of following our child. And so that's what I'll say as far as your Montessori birth, what a Montessori birth experience is is following the child, is following what that child needs within that moment. Because if you do, they'll tell you exactly what they need, right? You know, using observation, working with your support people to just help your child arrive safely, whatever way, you know, that they do that is their birth experience. is their Montessori birth experience. And then once they're here, you can use the Montessori tools to help them transition into the world, right? For example, we used observation with the help of the amazing doctors and nurses, and our sweet baby let us know exactly what he needed every step of the way. And now he's home, and he's quite awake, and he's going through a leap currently, so he's so much more aware, and also wants that extra love And You know, it's just so much fun getting to know him every day, interact with him, observe him, and learn about him as he, you know, interacts with his environment with us and reveals himself to us more and more every day. He loves music, he loves our daily dance sessions, and he's just such a beautiful and amazing baby, and I'm just So grateful we get to be his parents. So I'm so grateful and can't wait to share this new angle that I have as a Montessori mother. And I will continue to share all of the things that, you know, have worked for my clients and the parents that I've worked with in the classroom and the babies that I've worked with in the classroom and in the home settings and, you know, and what works for me and my experience now as a Montessori mama. So anyway, like I said, I know this was, you know, far more personal than I've ever really been on our show. And that's why I'm just so excited for this season of our podcast. It's just gonna, you know, encompass the wonders of parenthood along with all of the amazing Montessori pedagogy and baby development stuff that I would normally include. And yeah, that's about it for this first episode. Thank you so, so much for listening to season two, episode one of our Montessori Babies podcast, and I will catch you in our next episode. Bye! Hey, it's Bianca, your baby tour guide here, hopping back in to say thank you again for listening to this episode of Montessori Babies. If you'd like to support your baby's earliest and most important years, the Montessori way, I have a totally free masterclass that teaches the six essential steps to begin Montessori with your baby that gives you the exact, seldomly spoken about steps that I created after over a decade working with Montessori babies, families, and caregivers. You can register via the link in our show notes or in my bio on Instagram, at baby tour guide. Also, if you're enjoying my podcast, I would absolutely love if you'd leave a review to help other parents and caregivers find and join our community. Thanks again for listening to Montessori Babies, and I'll catch you in our next episode. Bye!